Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are back with part two of our NHL free agency slash off-season recap, really. Uh, and today we are going to be looking at the Western Conference. If you missed the Eastern Conference, that came out on Wednesday morning. You can check that out wherever you're listening to this podcast. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, Overcast, all, all the spots you listen to your podcast. And if you enjoy, just giving a like, a review, or even just, you know, sharing with a friend goes a long way. So hope you enjoyed this one as much as you uh, did the Eastern Conference, and be sure to check that one out as well. Jace, let's get right into this. Let's start with the uh, Pacific Division, because that is the, team, the division I have up, and we will go alphabetically, starting with the Anaheim Ducks, who... Um, for the second year in a row, continuing a, a bit of a weird offseason, in my opinion, uh, they go and splash a lot of money around. Like they, they almost remind me of Detroit West of the past couple of years in terms of they have some pieces there. They're, I think they have better pieces than Detroit, but like they're spending a I lot of money. Better. Yes, but they're spending a lot of money on guys that like I don't think really moved the needle for a lot of term. And the two big guys they sign. This summer are Alex Kalorn, four years, $6.25 million, $25 million total. And Radko Gudis, three years, $4 million a year, $12 million total. Both of them are 33. Like, that's just a lot of money to be throwing around to two guys in their mid-30s already. Especially when, like, like specifically with Gudis, it's like the, the Kalorn contract is just kind of obviously dumb. It was by far the worst contract signed in free agency. I yeah, that are like think. JT Comfer, maybe, if you yeah. don't like the term there. Yeah, but like the whole shtick in Anaheim is that they have so many elite defensive prospects that there's barely room for everyone, assuming that you count Camp Fowler and Drysdale as just like givens there. So like the Gudis contract with term like really doesn't make any sense. I guess I'm pretty Pretty sure they're all left-handed, but still, like, you're going to start running out of room very quickly, at which point, I don't know, it just seems like a weird deal. Yeah, and the other thing about this is, like, I've seen a lot of people say this now in terms of um, what can we learn about past cup winners and the, the Knights and the Panthers this year. Is, oh, they all have big defensemen, and it's like, well, yeah, Radko Gudis is a great piece on your decor when he's making a million and a half dollars like he was in Florida yep. to be your sixth, fifth, sixth defenseman who can be that mean guy. Him making four, it's just like Eric Branson, but you know, even obviously Branson's worse than Gudis. And you know, it just there's no reason to be paying him four million. But it's the same idea where it's like Gudis is, you know, at his prime, he was probably a very, very good number three. At 33 years old, he's a solid bottom pair defenseman, which is great if you're paying that. Even $2 million, if you're like, if Anaheim paid him $2 million, sure, whatever. You get up to four, you know, they're going to start using this guy as a top pair, top three defenseman again. And it's just like, unless you're trying to be bad still, which maybe they are, but like, at what point are you not trying to be bad because you've been bad for a while? And at that point, you're paying him too much money and probably going to try and shoehorn him into a role that is not going to be effective. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I, I hate the term more than the AAV. Like, if it was a one-year, $4 million contract mm-hmm. with their cap space, be like, yeah, fair enough. Yep. Whatever. Just like we've seen a couple teams. You know, Chicago's done that and most uh, most evidently. But yeah, that, that's the other big thing that sticks out with me is in an offseason where literally almost everyone 
when low ter- low term, even if they got a higher AAV, but it's one, maybe two years max, Anaheim kind of kicks that trend and signs two years, two guys to high a- AAVs and gives them some term as well. Yeah, then it just, it makes no sense. Like the, the coolest one will probably be movable at least, but like the Kalarn was just off. Yeah, and like I don't think either of these deals are going to absolutely kill them in the long run. Like they have thirty million dollars in cap space still this year. Uh, they do need to re-sign Zegers and Troy Terry and Jamie Drysdale. So like that will take obviously eat a chunk into it. But they're going to have eleven million off the books in Henrik and Silverberg next year. Um, it, it's just one of those things where it's like I just don't really. I don't know if I understand the goal here because like I get it, it's the Ryan Strom contract which they signed last year where they gave Ryan Strom five years at $5 million. It's the exact same idea where it's like, I just don't understand the long-term play or the short-term play of signing these guys to your team right now. Yeah. I, I don't get it. And like, especially the Kalorn deal, like the fourth year, like you're presumably going to be trying to be good at some point in that. And then it's really going to hurt you. Yeah, in 2026, 2027, you would hope they're trying to be good by that point. They're going to have 11 and a quarter tied up into Ryan Strom and Alex Kalorn at like ages 37 and 34 at that point. Yeah, and it's not like they have like no NHL players. Like Ryan Strom knows what it's like to be a high pick. Like by the time Leo Carlson gets there after this season, like Troy Terry's going to be. 27 when that season starts like it's not like they're completely devoid of nhl players to kind of show the the young guys the ropes either cam fowler's there on the blue line and presumably has more to share with like zellweger and minchukov than radko gudis does like even that angle of it doesn't make any sense to me i i don't get it yeah and there's again like there's just always players to take like if you need a guy this badly be the chicago that takes on taylor hall like they have the cap space that they could have took on Taylor Hall and Nick Felino and gave Nick Felino one year at four million dollars. And I'd rather that move where you actually get, you know, you you limit the you you get more upside from Taylor Hall. You limit the downside in terms of term and cap hit, and you know, you get a guy who can actually play with Trevor Zegras. Yeah, exactly. And Hall, you can flip for I don't know, second round pick or something. Hmm. Like that seems like a win to me. Yeah, like, and I'm sure there's probably a number of things or a number of players you could point out where it's like, okay, just go. This dude signed one year at four million dollars or whatever. Just go offer him a million and a half more for that one year to come to Anna. It's not like Anaheim's a bad place to be playing. No, exactly. Like it, I don't know. It's a weird off season. Yeah, it's just it, it's like it's not the end of the world or anything. It just kind of, it's like, what, what, what's the goal here? Like, that's why I kind of say they remind me of Detroit where it's like, like, what are you thinking your path forward is by move, making these moves? I just don't really get it. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. So uh, I'm going to give Anaheim, I'm going to give him a D D plus. Like I just, I, I don't love either of these signings really. I don't think it really fits in terms of term money, anything like that. So uh, I just think they could have probably spent it a lot smarter. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, all right, on to the Calgary Flames then, who, um, all things considered, had a relatively quiet offseason, I would say, in terms or 
some break in terms of what we thought they were going to do versus what they've actually done so far. Uh, they moved Tyler to Foley out. It's a move I touched on quickly. Um, and, and we kind of talked about it last episode from the Devils' perspective. They get uh, Yegor Sharangovich and a 2023 third-round pick, which is actually their own pick, uh, or was originally their own pick anyways back. Uh, they then re-signed Sharon Govich as their biggest deal of the free agency period uh, to a two-year 3.1 per 6.2 total uh, contract. The only one that only other contract that even eclipsed over a million total is Dryden Hunt, who they signed to two years, 775K um, two-way deal as well. So they, they really did not do much other than that Tyler Toffoli trade so far. Um, I think feel like there has to be more to come um, because it's been quite an underwhelming offseason so far, just from all the trade talk that this team was in, involved in. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they're waiting on a Lindholm deal. Because I said yeah. they wanted to extend them, right? But they seem to think whether they get Lindholm extended or not is like the fulcrum of what they do next which makes no sense in and of itself, but I kind of wonder if that's what they're waiting for. Yeah, like I think doing anything but just admitting that they need to retool is a huge mistake. Um, yeah. Now, I also kind of wonder, and this might be a tough sell because I guess it depends what you think your team is going to be this year. Like if there's no deals, and we all keep talking here, cap space, cap space, cap space or whatever. But so there's just like, if people are only offering a first and a not great prospect for Lindholm, I could easily see it, them being convinced to just keep him until the deadline because you're going to get a better deal than that at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, you can wait. And maybe that logic also applies to Hannafin and Chris Tanev and Mikel Backlund or whatever. But... I just feel like if you keep all four of those guys for the year, you're going to be like right in that playoff bubble. And then are you going to actually have the balls to tell your fan base? No, we're not good enough this year. We are going to keep like, we are going to sell because we see time and time again, teams get within four or five points of the playoffs around February. And they go, well, we're still kind of in it. Maybe we should keep all these guys. It's like, no, like the smart move would be to trade them, trade them all. Yep. Yeah, exactly. The team, team sucks. So, yeah, like, and like, not even that the team sucks. Wow. I still think they could be fine, but it's not a cup team. No. It's as simple well, as that. Yes. yes. And they could probably squeak into the playoffs because the division sucks, but like, they're not a good team. No. They're not like, a young team either. No, again, like, yeah, like, I think the peak of this team is what we saw two years ago where they win a pretty bad division that, you know, Vegas had a down year and, and Edmonton was hurt for part of it. And they win one round where they honestly got by the skin of their teeth at, at some points and then got absolutely blown out by Edmonton. It's like, if your peak of this core is second round, um, some owners would take that. But when the goal is to win a Stanley Cup, that's just not good enough. No, exactly. Um, yeah, the goal. And you're not trying to just squeak in the playoffs or whatever. Exactly. And, you know, I, I just keep looking at this roster and, uh, and every time I look at their cap friendly page, I'm reminded of how disappointed I am that they tried to run it back and go for it after trading Kachuk. Because like every time I see this roster, I just remind how awesome of an opportunity they would have been to go full NHL GM mode and sell Huberto, sell Uyghur. You get you're getting multiple first class prospects for those guys. 
this year, they don't sign Kadri to that seven by seven or eight or seven by seven. I think it was this year. They can sell Backlund, sell Lindholm, sell Hannafin, sell Tanev. Uh, next year, they can sell uh, Mangiapani and um, I guess they wouldn't have Sharon Govich. And suddenly you're getting like, what, minimum six first round picks for the guys I just named, plus a bunch of prospects and probably a couple decent roster players if you can just take some salary back. Like, your rebuild could take a year and a half, two years at that length. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been so much more fun, too, to witness. Yeah. And like, you could have kept a guy like Rasmus Anderson as your quote unquote older defenseman at 26 years old who, who still rebuild, or even like if they wanted to keep Mackenzie Weger or whatever, like that's fine. You can keep one of them. But like, if they yeah. would have just sold on four or five of these pieces, they very easily could have had a clean cap sheet and a ton of assets to just really quickly accelerate a rebuild going forward. Yep. And now so. they're probably stuck in no man's land instead. Yep, exactly. It's like, well, that's great. I'm, I'm very happy that that's what teams are striving for. Like, yeah. So, um, all right. On to the Edmonton Oilers, who uh, naturally didn't do a ton either. And I think that shouldn't be... Um, Shouldn't really be surprising to anyone just given their cap situation. Um, you know, they have kind of, I don't like, I don't, I think it would have been detrimental if they went in and signed a big contract again this summer. Uh, they did have to trade away Kyler Yamamoto and Clint Costin uh, for absolutely nothing to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, how how do you feel about that trade? Because, you know, I, I don't think it's the end of the world or anything like that. I was just to the PDO cast, I believe it was, and, and Dimitri loved that trade. He was like, yeah, they get rid of like, over $3 million in cap space for absolutely nothing. And it's like, I do agree that they that those guys aren't guys that Edmonton should be paying exorbitant extensions to or anything like that. But it's like, I don't think it's a massive win to get those guys off your book either. They weren't hurting your team. No, they're fine players. Also, I mean, Edmonton still does have more pieces than usual, but like the classic problem with the Oilers is depth and they just traded two of their pieces that were finally a part of their first competent depth group we've ever seen them have with McDavid on the ice or yeah, off the yeah. ice. Yeah. Um, and I know Yamamoto yeah. would play up and stuff like that, but I don't know. I don't think it's a win. That's for sure. I I agree. Um, they then signed Connor Brown um, to a one-year deal. And this is, did you know what his, did you see what his AAV was? Yeah, it's like league. Man, it's not. It's 775k, except he gets a three million, three point two five million dollars uh, performance bonus if he plays ten games. Oh God! <laughs> so well, it's so a four million dollar contract. So space. Yeah, yes, because they want to hit. So they have five point six two million dollars in cap space still this year. Uh, they need to re-sign Evan Bouchard and Ryan McLeod. So some of that will be used, and I would assume if they re-sign both of them, they'll probably try and move some money because yes. If when slash when, I mean, it seems pretty reasonable that Connor Brown will, you know, he's coming off with a pretty serious injury, but still he will play 10 games. They do not want that $3 million flowing over to next year. I would, that's, I can't imagine. That is a horrible contract because now you just box yourself in with Bouchard. Not that you weren't already boxed in to begin with, but wow. Everyone, that's, I didn't realize how big of a signing bonus that was. That's insane. Also, I do like the trade more now that I'm looking at their cap sheet, I guess, because they did have to do something. The fact they didn't have to pay, I suppose, is a pretty big win. 
Yeah, I think it's a fine trade. I just like, I don't know. They, people were talking about it as if they got assets back. It's like, well, you gave up a good middle six, two good middle six players for nothing. Or like a good bottom six and a fine middle six and, and Yamamoto. Like, and you got absolutely nothing back. It's not a loss. Don't get me wrong. It's just not great. It's just not a great win or anything. It's just something that both teams kind of benefited from. Yeah, you're not celebrating in the street because of it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, this car, I, I'm shocked that more people are not talking about this performance bonus from Con- for Connor Brown. Yeah, that's insane. That is so unneeded. Like the mm-hmm. best season of Connor Brown's career is he worth four million dollars. Ottawa could have been paying him four million. Ottawa paid him three point six in those rebuilding years, and I was still like, "Geez, that seems unnecessary." Yeah, now you're a contender paying him four. Four million dollars? What the? Oh man, I, I, I the, this flips my entire thought process of this offseason on his head. Like, I kind of thought like, oh, like Connor Brown, that's a great pickup at seven hundred seventy-five k, and I did know he had a performance bonus, but I figured it was like one mil. Yeah, that is that is crazy, tough. dude. That is nuts. Um, they haven't really, but it really like again. This goes back to the Anaheim thing of like there was no one else you could have found that you liked as much for yeah, that price. Something like four million. That's almost what Tyler Bertuzzi signed for. Or just sit on it. Like you're still gonna be over the cap. And that's, so this is the thing where. And it frustrates me so much. We see it every year, too. Do you know how many good players come available either for free, by trade, or just like get cut from their team in September? Because guys, the teams go, we don't have cap space for these guys. We cannot sign it. You do not. I don't know why GMs feel the need that they need to spend every cent of their goddamn cap space on July 1st. Yeah, and they've spent more. Like, unless you're doing like one by three for Bouchard, but. Ideally, you would get term with Bouchard because he's yeah, the exact kind of player you could lock into like the best contract in the league. But you're exa- exactly, that now. yeah, they're gonna have to bridge him. Which, like, you know, whatever. I'm sure Ken Holland looks at it as well, I'll just kick the can down the road. It's not gonna be my problem. But like, if you're an organization and that's how your GM's thinking, you're fucked, man. Yep. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, like, man, I don't know. I'm gonna give, um, I give them a D again. Like, I just. I, to me, that Connor Brown contract is so unnecessary seeing that signing bonus. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, uh, and I don't think I actually created Calgary's. I'm going to give them a C, C plus. They, I don't know. They, they've been fine. Like, I just, I think there's going to be more moves to come. But if they just sit on their hands and do absolutely nothing, that would change to like a D something. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I, that. They haven't yeah. done enough to really be bad yet. But Yeah, exactly. I, I think that I kind of feel like there has to be more to come. If there's not, then that would be very disappointing. All right, on to the Los Angeles Kings, who they have had a very busy offseason. Uh, they signed, um, I missed this, so this broke today. I did not see this. Anze Kopitar, two-year extension, $7 million per. Oh, yeah, that like just happened. Huh, so some little bit of breaking news on the podcast. Wow, I'm not going to lie, that is a higher AAV than I was expecting. Um, yeah, the fact I, that it's an extension is a little much, but honestly, it's still it's fine. Not a bad deal. No, like yeah. I think he is worth seven million. I just really assumed he was going to sign the Jordan Stahl contract, where it's like criminally underpaid. But 
Yeah, that's fair. I think he's still producing a decent amount of points, though. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I just kind of figured like it would be him and taking it for the team. But I mean, hey, like good for. I'm not saying he has to by any means. Oh, good yeah. for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 74 points last yeah, year. So. Tough minutes, all that. I mean, I think you still argue that's a discount. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's worth more. He's like, I'm assuming Dom's car probably has about eight or nine right now. Like, yeah, um, just for the, fact, the minutes that he plays. Yeah, absolutely. So he that that won't kick in this year. He has one year left at ten million, but so they're gonna save still three million dollars on cap on him next year, and at least they they know what he's locked into, so they'll they'll know exactly what they have to do next year. Um, and mentioned busy offseason. Pierre Luc Dubois in for the LA Kings. Out the door is Gabriel Velarde, Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and a 2024 second round pick. They then signed Pierre Luc Dubois to an eight year, eight point five per contract. Um, we will get to that in just a second. I talked about it myself as well, uh, but I want to obviously get your thoughts on it. The other deals they made, uh, bringing back Trevor Lewis, one year, 775K, uh, and then Cam Talbot as their uh, backup goalie, one year, 1 million, and then they also have a $1 million performance bonus. Just checking what that is right now. 10 games played. I don't know why teams are doing this, but um, so probably $2 million for Cam Talbot. Uh, they also have three goalies on their roster. They have Dave Riddich signed. I would assume Copley Talbot is their tandem. I don't hate taking a bounce back on Talbot, but I'm a little worried about that tandem as a team that probably wants to do something in the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's probably going to come back to bite them. Big save Dave is their third goalie. Like, that's <laughs> that's tough. But, like, you make the Dubois trade because you think you're legit. And, I mean, the roster probably is, at least in that division, but... That goaltending is pretty ugly. Yeah, it's tough because I go on one hand, it's when you can't get a good, like an elite guy. I don't mind three lottery tickets, which is literally what they did. Yep. On the other hand, I look at those three names. I go, you could probably argue all three of those goalies are 28 to 36 in the league. And it's like, oh. well, if those are the three guys you're running with this year, what are we doing here? But you're I don't probably know. expecting them to have the worst or close to the worst starting tandem in the league. Yeah, there can't be many that are like too much worse than that. Yeah, at least so. not among good teams. And for what it's worth, like I, if I'm LA, I'm still happy Cam Talbot one by one versus uh, what Ottawa gave Corpusalo. Like I, yep. I still think letting Corpusalo walk was the right move. It's just kind of unfortunate that they haven't found anyone a little better than that. But yeah, exactly. All right, Pierre Luc Dubotre, give me your thoughts on it. My overall take was that. I I respect what they're doing in terms of how often we talked about LA needing to get that high-end talent, although I'm not quite sold Pierre-Luc Dubois is that guy, and I think the contract is a little much for him, but I don't think what they gave up is unreasonable. Yeah, I'm more just confused with like the rhetoric around Dubois. Like Everybody just kind of speak, seems to be speaking into existence that he's a number one center. Just like mm-hmm. no actual evidence of that at yeah. any point in his career. Like if Pierre Luc Dubois was drafted 18th overall, what do people think of him? Yeah, they probably think he's like a number two at best. Like they think he is what he is, good yeah. number two center. Sorry, like, no, an entitled number two as well. That that narrative probably changes that he's forced his way out of two teams. <laughs> That's also true. Yeah, and like yeah, like he's been a 60 point guy consistently. Like that's cool, but it's not amazing. And then also beyond that, it's not like underlying numbers. Like obviously points miss stuff, but there's no indication that he's better than those point totals either. 
Yeah, so like that's the big thing. It's like every time I feel like again, just the way people talk about it, you would think this dude had multiple 75 point seasons or whatever. Because yeah. like when I when I heard people talking about like William Nylander, like a bunch of people brought up William Nylander as this is like a comparable. And like the only argument you have for Nylander being around this as a comparable is Dubois plays a harder position than Nylander. Yeah. Um, because that's where it ends. Because he like, plays that position much worse than Nylander plays Nylander's position. And, yeah, and like not to make this a least podcast or anything like that, but like, you know, Nylander, if he put up 63 points in a season, that would be considered disappointing right now. Like that's that Dubois' be, career high. Yeah. Oh, people would be pissed if Willie did that next year. Yeah, exactly. Like in that, um, you know, even like the down season that he had, he was on pace for like 50 points, I want to say. In the, yeah. the very down season, like where he missed half the year because of his holdout or whatever. But yeah, yeah like and Leonard has way better underlying numbers. Yeah, exactly. Worse defensively, but it's way better offensively. Plus, he's significantly better on the power play. Like William yeah. Nylander is actually elite at something. Pierre Luc Dubois is not even close. No, and like people talk about this guy. Like, yeah, like it's just a given that he's gonna suddenly become a top ten center or whatever. It's like I just I know like. Like if you want to argue he's the 32nd best center right now and technically a 1C, sure, but that's where he is. He's on the fringe there, not top 20 or anything like that. Like me and you, we're going to start our top 20 list in the next week or two, I would assume, as you know, summer drags on a little bit. Would you have, would you even consider Pierre Luc Dubois in the top 20? No, me either. Not even for a second. No, like he wouldn't even be considered on my honorable mentions list. So he's been like multiple different situations now, different coaching staffs. It's not like he's been with one team that like couldn't utilize him properly or anything. Yeah, and it's like it's not like he's been on all bad teams. Like everyone loves to hype up that damn Winnipeg team about how good their offense was, even if that's not exactly true or anything like that. But it's like you can't have it both ways where you say actually the team was really good, but Pierre Luc Dubois hasn't played with anyone good. Yeah. And it's weird too, like it's following a lot of Habs fans. Oh, we need like a number one C. So we're going to go with Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's like, you still don't have a number one C if you trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I hate to break that to you. Yeah, At least exactly. not one you're winning a cup with, probably. No, or like, and like the reason I do feel a little better about it in LA is that, you know, I think if Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kopitar, and Deneau are all your fringe guys, like they all kind of remind me, I mean, obviously Kopitar, like just because of his age is where he is. It all kind of reminded me of like when Ottawa was in those runs in 2017 and Kyle Turris was their 1C. The question was always, can you get it done with Kyle Turris as your 1C? And it's like, if you have like three Kyle Turrises maybe, but not as your lone 1C, at least they do kind of have three guys in those like that 32 range, you know? Yeah. Or the, honestly, the most likely way to do it wouldn't be have three Kyle Turrises. It would be have three Mark Stones. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, but... I'm saying, like, if, if, if there's at least a shining spike, yeah. yeah. And and obviously, I think they still hope that Quentin Byfield takes the step that, like, bumps everyone down even another notch yet. Um, whether yeah, that'll I happen, I don't know. If they're they kind of right? have to. And I mean, like, let's be honest. It's not like Byfield has been that yeah. outstanding. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly, right? Like, it's it's he's been disappointing, for sure, in, in his first couple of years. Um, yeah, he hasn't been, been, I don't think he was, like, bad last year but he wasn't the hype good that you know we he had coming out of junior exactly i need the breakout because our prospect model loves him now i just cheer for guys that our model liked exactly yeah 
I, I, I cheer for players, but not nothing to do with what they actually uh, yeah. have done on or off the ice. But. I cheer for me to be right. And me being right happens to coincide with my field being good. So go by field. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I, that, that's, I, I think we're kind of on the same page with the Dubois uh, trade here. Sorry if you can hear my cat meowing in the background. Do you have anything else on the trade? No, not really. Like they, they actually didn't give up a ton for him, given the narrative around him. So that was nice, at least. But yeah, I just, I just found the narrative insane. I never understood that. It's been insane for a while. Yeah, I completely agree. And like, I, I think, I think it's the PDO cast again. They, oh no, maybe it's Puck Soup. I can't remember. Um, one of them had mentioned though that like they actually thought they did a smart thing selling on Velarde and Iafalo, especially where it's like. IFL's value probably isn't going to be higher than it is right now. And I definitely agree with that. Yes, that is fair. That that part's definitely true. Yeah. Cause yeah, like I, I totally agree. I mean, I've, I've been always a huge Gabe Velarde fan, like much in, I don't have a model or anything like that, but much in the way that I would, I really wanted uh, the sense take him in the draft when he was eligible. Uh, so much in that way, I, I cheer for him to be good. So I hope he still has another step to take and he's, you know, just obviously been so injury bitten in his career, but like, yeah, I, I think the cost to get Pierre Luc Dubois is totally fine. They didn't even give him a first or anything like that, but yeah, the extension and just what his actual role is going to be and how much better he makes his team, I think is definitely a fair question. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, no first, no byfield. Just yeah, n- none of their big, like, even like say what you want about Turcotte or whatever, like, he didn't get yeah. included in this deal. Um, you know, even like they kept. Francisco Pinelli, who you know, this guy we watched with the Rangers a, a bunch this year, yeah. and like, no, I Brent Clark, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I would have thought one of those guys would be in it. Instead, they give Rasmus Kupari, who I think has been, you know, it's very failed, fair to say, has been a, a failed prospect up to this point. Yeah, Kupari at best was a. You can sound smarter than other people by bringing him up as like a sneaky underrated name, which like he, he was that to be fair, um, but. Yeah, that's at best. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, on to another California team, and that is the, excuse me, San Jose Sharks. Uh, the biggest part of their offseason might still yet be yet to come. It sounds like Eric Carlson has requested a trade. Um, that's really going to come down to how much salary they want to eat. As of what they've actually done, they picked up Anthony Duclair for Stephen Lorenz and a fifth-round pick. Uh, Anthony Declare, another guy that Anaheim probably could have targeted instead of giving, um, what's his name, $6 million. But uh, that's neither, neither here nor there. Um, I like that move. That's a pretty, I think, a really good move in terms of just getting an NHL player on your roster. And I'm assuming they will probably flip him this year. You know, he's a UFA at the end of this season. So um, they have a bunch of you, a couple of UFAs, actually. They have LeBlanc. Uh, Duclair, Barbanov, and Lindblom. Um, so I think the you'd have to imagine the idea is they're just going to sell this, those four guys this year, uh, as well as if they can get anything for Redeem Simic on the back end. Uh, as for free agency, they traded and then for Mackenzie Blackwood, I think they gave up a fifth or something for him. And then two years, 2.235, 4.7 total. Um, again, I don't, this deal's whatever, right? Like, Blackwood head potential at one point. If he's bad, that actually helps the the Sharks more than <laughs> yeah. hurts them. So um, well, that's yeah. why I kind of like this because I I don't think Blackwood's a great bet to be good. But <laughs> I mean, you're in a win win. You've either found a future starter or, or somebody helps tank. That's fine. Yep, exactly. Um, so that's and that's really all they've done so far. Um, 
I, I think it's, you know, I, again, I, I the biggest shoe to drop here is, is uh, going to be Carlson if they decide that they can do anything with him. Um, but other than that, like, I think they're probably just going to be biding their time until uh, the deadline comes around, which fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. So. Also, pick Quentin Musty. Good for them. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so just for that, I'll give them a B minus. And I think they've been fine. Yeah, yeah, I'd say B, just whatever. Um, so and then I'll give... You did good, but not great. Yep, exactly. I'll give LA a B as well. Uh, B minus, maybe. I, I think... I don't know. I, I, I think it's fine. I don't hate the idea of going and getting a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, although I question definitely what he'll do versus the narrative around it. That being said, I'm always mad when there's no movement. LA did that and they didn't absolutely sure. sacrifice their future to do it. So, yeah, they didn't give up. Like, it's funny because the league must see Dubois closer to what we're saying than what a lot of the public is, or else the price would have been way higher, right? Like, the implied price on that trade is that Dubois is just a 2C, yeah, a good 2C um, or whatever. I guess maybe you could argue that the other reason is that I don't think he was going to sign with too many teams long-term. Yeah, that could be true, too. So a lot of teams might have been looking at this as a rental kind of thing. And it literally, because like, I don't even think Montreal was, it sounded like Montreal's going to be like, oh, if we get him, he can just come here in free agency. We're not going to give up assets. Yeah, that's true, too. So, um, but yeah, def- definitely for sure. Like, I-, I think there is probably an element of the league probably views him closer to what he is, which is a 60 point center than people, what people have been talking about him as. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, all right. So, well, that was quick. So, let's go on to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, this has been a team I've actually heard rumored in on Eric Carlson, funny enough. That would be a an interesting landing spot, I think, for him. Um, it would be unhinged relative to everything <laughs> else they've done. It absolutely would, because they have been um, very just straightforward, small moves here and there. Um, again, even their, their uh, free agency period, they didn't do much. They signed Kyler Yamamoto, one year, $1.5 million. Uh, I like that. Um and then they signed a bunch of just fringe guys. John Hayden signed Brian Dumoulin two years, 3.15 per. Um, nice little deal. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I'll be curious to see how they use Dumoulin. He looked a little washed in Pittsburgh at the end of his uh, his time there. But I, I, yeah. I do kind of wonder on a blue line like this where they spread the depth out a lot more if they use him as like a number four kind of, if he looks a, a little better than he did at his time in Pittsburgh by the end. Yeah, and, and Chicago or uh, Seattle's been a good place for defenders. Like mm-hmm. Dumoulin's actually his numbers kind of tailed off more than I expected, but it's not nearly as expensive as a lot of the other deals. So it's not the end of the world. Yep, uh, they have about thirteen million dollars in cap space left, but William Borgen, Vince Dunn, and Cal Fleury are all RFA's. Uh, Vince Dunn will obviously be the biggest of those names. Um, they also only have 10 forwards under contract right now. Burkowski's on IR at 5.5 per as well. So I guess they have 11 and then that'll eat into their right, stuff a little bit. Two, but there's your 12. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, I would assume they'll probably be a team in um, September that probably signs a couple PTOs and one of those guys would make it as well, if I had to guess. Um, yeah, but, that'd be pretty on brand for them too. Maybe grab one of the good guys who falls through waivers at the start of the season or something. Yep, exactly. So, uh, but overall, pretty pretty quiet offseason for them as well. Um, I think it's fair. It depends what the goal of this team is. Like, I, I don't hate them not spending money. 
Um, and, and just hoping that the youth that comes in, whether that's Shane Wright, you know, Yagis, Jager, uh, Furkus as well. I don't know if he'll be ready quite this year, but he'll be coming up eventually. You know, they got a couple really good prospects. And obviously you would know this better. Ty Nelson, I think, is a, a pretty high name. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah. Um, um, they, they have a couple guys that'll be ready in the next couple of years. So I don't hate just kind of slow playing it. I think if they're expecting to make playoffs again next year, this offseason probably wasn't good enough in terms of securing a for sure spot, but I think they'll be right back in the mix again. Yeah, that's what I actually really like their offseason because it seems pretty self-aware. Like they weren't just like, oh, we're a guaranteed playoff team and then started spending everything like it. Like they kind of realized this is a longer term process. And I mean, their moves implied that. I like that. Yeah, I do agree yeah, because thing, I've quickly learned that if I haven't heard of a prospect, that they show up good in the model. They're either a Seattle pick or a Carolina pick, <laughs> or they were a Dubas Leafs pick, but I just heard of all the Dubas picks. So those didn't really count. Yeah, that uh, that doesn't shock me given what we know about Carolina and who's running Seattle as well. Ron Francis coming from Carolina. Yeah. It, uh, plus and the they were pretty tired. Yeah, I would say they, they hired a bunch of analytics people right away. So that doesn't. Yeah, they me. had Namita did public draft stuff on their like draft table. Yep. And was like I don't think an accident with the that... Eagles for a while and stuff, right? Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah. Um I, I yeah I, I think it's fine offseason. I'm gonna give them a B B B plus even. Um I I think adding a guy like Dumoulin and then Yamamoto on the on the front end just kind of gives them a little more depth. Uh and again like yeah they Going out and getting a, a star who's 29 years old probably doesn't help this team too much. Sorry, doesn't help this team achieve a Stanley Cup as much as it would just kind of make them another middling team. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, um, on to the second last team in this division, and that would be the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I always try to think if I, uh, before I, I put onto their cap friendly, if I can think what their biggest move of in the off season was, and I have to imagine it's the Oliver Ekman Larson trade or a buyout, sorry, um, just without looking at anything else they've done. And I feel pretty, uh, pretty redeemed in saying that. Um, yeah, because they're broke, so it wouldn't be anything else, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, were you i don't think you were on i talked about the buyout by myself a couple episodes ago i want to say and i'll give you my take and then i want to hear yours so on one hand i get that they weren't left with a great option in general here like patrick alvin was kind of screwed no matter what right on the other I don't, and and I, I kind of wonder if this had to be an ownership play because I don't understand what the long-term goal of this franchise is because they're not winning anything with this damn team. Why would you not just try and let OEL play it out for another year or two so this buyout isn't near as bad? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, they're not a playoff team this year. Hell no. Unless, like, Demko goes off and they're everyone uh, the Pacific just falls apart again. But even then, they're a playoff team that's going to be absolutely cannon fodder for whoever they play in the first round. And that's their high end of, of like very high end of variance, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there are enough pieces that they get the caveat that if they have an amazing goalie run, they'll make the playoffs and do whatever. But like, 
yeah, I just don't get what the point is. And I mean, I guess maybe you had to buy OEL out because they're still over the cap, but, but I don't know. Did you? Because they went and got Carson Susi and Ian Cole in his savings. Yeah, like, that's don't actually get me, true. Don't get me wrong. Like those those probably will provide more value than OEL, but it's not like it's not like they went and OEL's money this year completely gets them under the cap. Yep. Yeah, no, I know it. I don't get this team. Um yeah, and, and so now, you know, and if the goal is to go for it now, it's like, well, what's the plan in three to four years? Because you're about to have you now have so it's 146k cap hit this year, 2.3. 4.7, 4.7, 2.1, 2.1. I think it goes 2.1 for a couple more years. So it's like, like this is my problem with this team just in general is that they never seem to have a long-term plan. All they're thinking about right is right now, it's like, well, Patrick Alvin should be probably wanting to be the GM of this team in three years. What is he going to do when OEL's just got a $4.7 million dead hit on the books? Well, that's the annoying thing. And like, I mean, I'm not in the ownership meetings, but... If they're like, we need to be competitive right now. It's like, you don't have a choice. You don't, like, you can't make this roster competitive in an offseason. You ha- have to bite the bullet. Like, I just don't get what the point is. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Like, I just, so, um, yeah, that, that was my take on the OEL buyout. Like, it is what it is. The big loser in the OEL buyout, though, do you know who that is? It is Definitely the not OEL. Arizona Coyotes. Who are now hit with a retention spot being used for eight years? Ooh, that sucks. Because they for a team that's trying to sell. Yeah, they technically and like again, it's the Coyotes. How much salary are they actually going to retain, anyways, as a team? Um, yeah. But like, yeah, because they were retaining an OEL, and then that contract gets bought out, it counts as one of the retention spots that they have for the entire length of bio. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, so they absolutely get screwed there. Again, it's the Coyotes. Who knows if act, they would ever actually use that third spot or not. But um, that that's just a, a funny little piece of trivia, I think. But um, yeah, other than that, Vancouver's offseason, again, they they signed Ian Cole, one year, $3 million. Carson Susie three years, 3.25. So just a shade under 10 total. Teddy Bluger, one year, 1.9. All just like okay deals, but all of them, I just go, this is what you're using your buyout money on? Couple depth guys to get you two, three more points total in the standings. Okay, great. That's so funny that the OEL deal really the buyout helps the most for this year, as if it matters. Yeah, as if they want that help this year. Like it's like oh, great. Like Pedersen's up next year. What the hell are you going to do with that? Like, yeah, and they're talking about selling Connor Garland still. Like barely have any good forwards. They have. They're probably going to have to sign Connor or sell Connor Garland. Yeah, and I just don't. Smart teams going to pick him up. Yep, exactly. Oh yeah, like honestly, you want to talk about Seattle adding another forward? That's absolutely a guy I could see Seattle being in. I was just going to bring up Seattle. Seattle's one. I could see Buffalo. Yep, there are smart that's another one. Space Carolina. I think's got some space yet too. Yep. Um, like, yeah. Like any of those teams, I, I, just I could, all the smart teams in space. I would expect them to be on there. Yep, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just the moves within themselves, I think, are all defendable to a reasonable degree. Even the OEL buyout, like I think you can defend it within a vacuum. But when you just look at the long term play of this team, I, I just I'm very confused. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. 
So for that reason, I'll give them a C minus C, I guess. I like it's the players they signed were fine. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go D plus or something. Cause like the Car- Carson Susie contract, like, I don't know, as far as free agency deals go, nice little deal, but it just makes no cons. Um, it just makes no sense in the broader context of what this team is. Yeah. Like if, LA or Edmonton or Toronto or whoever signs that deal. It's like, yeah, nice little, nice little piece of business there. But it's like, I'd rather have that than the Klingberg deal. Yeah, exactly. It's like, mm, Vancouver's doing that. Okay, why? Why? Yep. So, uh, final team for the Pacific Division is the Vegas Golden Knights, your Stanley Cup winners, who also unsurprisingly haven't had a massive offseason just with the cap space that they had available. Uh, They traded Riley Smith to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third-round pick. Uh, They then spent all of Smith's $5 million salary on Ivan Barbashev, 5 by 5 I'm not going to lie. I don't love that deal. I think that is... Yeah, this feels like their Brian Bickle deal. Yes. Maybe not quite as aggressive, but like... It's paying a lot for a guy who did good, great things with you. Don't get me wrong, but like there's a long track where it honestly feels like the anti of what Vegas usually does. Same with Aiden Hill, to be completely honest. That's actually true. Like I heard someone say like, I think it was Overdrive. I was listening. They're like, we, the Aiden Hill deal is the one they were talking about and Barbershop too. But like, they were like, this is just what Vegas does. Like they're ruthless. It's like, they'll get rid of someone to get someone better. It's like, Okay, but the Aiden Hill deal is exactly the opposite of what they usually do. Usually they, they usually get let him walk. <laughs> exactly. They get a guy in, they say, Thank you for your services. We're either going to give you the dirt cheap contract, then trade you, or you can just walk and get the hell out of here. Not pay four point nine million dollars per year. Are you serious for Aiden Hill? Yeah, no, just five million for Barbershev? Are you sure about that? Like Barbershev was an okay bottom six forward before coming to Vegas. Yeah, I I don't like that at all. So, I don't know, yeah, to, to me, this just, like, uh, this kind of feels like the opposite of what Vegas usually does, you know. Now, granted, I, I do think there is probably still a, a, a world down the line where we get to next offseason. Maybe they go, ooh, Barbershop wasn't quite as what we thought. Um, he does have a modified no-trade clause, but maybe it's next offseason where they already move off of him or something like that, and that'd be very Vegas-like. I just, I don't know, for a team that I think has been incredibly well-built, you know, we talked about it a lot, how the the fact that they're willing to just kind of sell on anybody is a good thing, not a bad thing. To me, these just felt like two deals where it's like, this feels like rewarding guys because you won, which has been your exact anti-philosophy this entire time. Yeah, you won because you didn't do stuff like that. And now yeah. you've kind of flipped on it. Yeah, exactly. And like the, the term on the Hill deal is not big at all or anything. It's just like, that's just a lot of money, man. Like, yep. especially if, if he sucks us here, like, then you're probably in the spot next year where you got to get rid of you got to give a pick just to get rid of him. It's like, well, you could have just avoided that, you know? Yeah. So, um, I can give their offseason so far a T plus I, I just don't really. I think both those deals were a little unnecessary. Yeah, I'll go with like C minus or something like that. Kind of. Yeah. General. I don't think you, they, they were either of them were like awful. They just weren't great. Yeah. And do you like the draft at all? I know they weren't picking until 32, so uh, kind of hard to tell. But uh, so let's see their draft. I don't even remember who they picked off the top of my head. David Anstrom, our model, did not like that pick in their first round. And I assume they didn't have enough high leverage picks outside of that for it to matter. 
yeah, you wouldn't think so. But yeah, I'll stick it at D plus then. I don't know. Like that, that feels a little harsh, but I just I haven't really loved any of their moves so far this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with uh, you on that. All right. Before we move on to our last division, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is perfect for daily nutrients and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs, the nutrients your body needs each day, and the foundation of long-term gut health. Together, they fuel whole body health, impacting everything from sleep, digestion, energy, mood, immunity, to the health of your hair, skin, and nails. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. All right, Chase, on to the Central Division, and we are starting with the previously mentioned Arizona Coyotes, uh, who have had their classic offseason, I would say. Um, Nothing really super out of the ordinary about what uh, they have done. They traded for Sean Dursey. They gave up a second-round pick for Sean Dursey uh, in free agency. They signed Kerfoot to a two-year deal, 3.5 per, 7 million total. Nick Bukestad, two years, 2.1 per, 4.2 total. Um, and then Galchenyuk, one year, 775K. Uh, Troy Stetcher, one year, $1.1 million. Just uh, Jason Zucker, one year, $5.3 million. Um, just a bunch of guys to fill out their roster is really what it is. Um, I I don't have too many takes on any of this. Again, they're absolutely loaded with draft capital over the next couple of years. I bet you they retain a little bit on Zucker and then sell him at the end of this, uh, at the deadline. I bet you they sell on um, Kerfoot next year and Bukestan next year. And I bet you they sell half their defense core this year uh, in terms of they're all RFAs or UFAs at the end of the season. They actually only have five signed right now. So um, the Dursey one's the only one of really note, I would say. And I don't hate that as a gamble um, when they, I think they had like four second round picks anyways. So I don't hate that because he's automatically going to become their best defenseman. Um, but not much to note of this offseason, eh? Yeah, he's kind of a power play merchant, but I mean, you do need someone to sit on your power play, I guess. And like, it's tough too with their free agents because none of the guys they signed were great or anything, but I don't think anyone great's coming to Arizona. So they're probably just doing what they can and trying to field an NHL team next year and make sure they hit the minimum. Well, that's the thing. They literally need to hit the floor. So it's like, yeah, if you want to, and the guys they overpaid, they didn't give term to right so yeah like there's there's no one they need to pay between this year and next offseason that kerfoot's 3.5 is going to be an absolute problem for him yeah exactly so um and yeah with sean Dursey, like he i i just think like if there's going to be a guy you go and target and maybe a second was a little rich but a 24 year old that has shown good priors at times before and he kind of reminds me of a guy who i don't think he might just be a power play merchant kind of number five power play merchant guy which is a has value in itself, but if you can get a guy who ends up becoming decent at five on five and it's like a good number two when you're actually starting to get good again, that's worth a second round pick, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's fine enough. So, Especially when you have this many, like you're just not gonna have room for all of your picks at the same time. That's the other thing, right? Like they gave up a second, they have three seconds this year, four next year, three in 2026 already, and that's already with other guys that you know they're gonna sell people. So, and three thirds, two set, two thirds of the year after, and two thirds of the year following. So, um, like they're, they're just absolutely stacked with draft picks. You can't take all those players. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna give them a B minus. I have just C plus. Like, it's just been fine. It's just been what you would kind of expect them to do. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah, just perfectly fine. Yep, exactly. Like nothing bad. Like 
there's not no move. I went, oh my god, what are you doing? And but there's been no move where it's like, wow, that is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and they got the got to the floor, so good for yep. them. Exactly. Uh, team Speaking I feel of getting to the floor. Very, yes, very similar about the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, their offseason has been busy just to get to the floor. Uh, they obviously trade for Taylor Hall and Nick Felino. They trade for Josh Bailey, then Josh uh, buy Josh Bailey's contract out. Had one year left of $5 million. Um, they then trade for Corey Perry, uh, and they give all the guys that they trade for the bag. Felino gets one year, $4 million. Corey Perry gets one year, $4 million. Uh, and Athanasiu gets two years, $4.25 million. That was early back in June. Ryan Donato gets two years, $2 million per. You want to talk about just filling your roster with NHL players that are all UFAs at the end of this year. Holy smokes. Um, if you go to their cap friendly page right now, it is honestly perfect for a rebuilding team. I'm going to read it out. So Connor yeah, Bernard's not even on the forward list just yet because he's considered in the minors, but he will obviously be on this team. I'll take Cole Gutman off for him. Taylor Hall, two years left, then a UFA. Tyler Johnson, UFA at the end of the year. Athanasiu, two years, UFA. Felino, Perry, Dickinson, Ryan Donato, all UFAs at the end of the year. Sorry, Donato's UFA in two years. Uh, Blackwell, UFA at the end of this year. Entwistle, Reese Johnson, Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, none of those guys are going to have to pay, all our FAs at the end of this year. Their entire forward core has two or year. Connor Bernard is the longest tenure or longest contracted forward on their team. On the blue line, they probably, unless they have like a couple big prospects I'm missing, they're going to have to sign someone else because currently they only have four defensemen uh, listed on their blue line. Korchinski might play. Yeah. And like Jared Tonori's one of their defensemen. It feels like they're probably going to have to bring in a defenseman or two yet, which they have a ton of cap space that they can use um, to do so. They have $18 million left. Seth Jones, obviously that's a contract that uh, is a little regrettable, but not that this group signed it. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev has one year left at $4.5 million. Connor Murphy is three years at 4.4. And then Jared Tonori's last year at 1.25. In net, they have Peter Mrazek and then Arvid Soderblom at two years at 960K. This... It's, you know, obviously they're happy that they got Bedard. They're about a year ahead of where they probably wanted to get Bedard, but this has still just been the perfect setup for a rebuild. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I really like that they got Taylor Hall to play with them. Yep, exactly. That one there. And even just like, you know, say what you want about a guy like Jason Dickinson or whatever, but like, that's a guy where you can throw him, Athamasu, and Tyler Johnson on your quote unquote top line and let them get absolutely shelled so that Connor Bedard doesn't have to. Yep. Yeah, exactly. There's enough there to shelter him, and they're still going to be in the eyes of them celebrating sweepstakes. Exactly. Seems like they'll win. Yep. 100%. So, um, yeah, I, I, I re- Felino's money for free, which Pardon? changed the way I looked at this. I thought they ate Felino's money for free, too. I didn't realize they repaid Felino the $4 million. Yeah, no, they just, yeah, he was a UFA. So they just took him on his contract and then gave him that money. Yeah, so they basically just took Hall deal for free. Yep, yep exactly. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I thought they gave Boston $10 million space for free, not the. No, yep, just six. Okay. So. And they got the one, the only player worth getting. Well, the <laughs> yeah, only yeah. cap worth getting out of Boston. They obviously weren't going to cap them. Martian or something like that. So, yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, honestly, speaking to like we were talking about uh, Connor Garland on um, um, Vancouver, like I could see Chicago with this new management group being in on a guy like that as well. He'd be an okay fit. I'd take Garland. You know, um, I, I wonder if they, I think they might be out on Garland a little more just if there is a bidding war for him. But I do wonder with his cap hit, because it's close to five, I can see some of those competitive teams being like, mm, I don't know if we want that for three years. Chicago would be the perfect team to be like, yep, we will take that cap hit on. Here's your third round pick or whatever. And we get a good player at under five million dollars for three years. Yeah, he can be uh, Iserman or Celebrity's Taylor Hall next year. Exactly. <laughs> another decent winger to play with. Yeah, play with exactly. the more you build. Um, so they haven't really done anything of the like, huge consequence, but you know, along and I'm not even going to give them credit for drafting Bedard. That's just a no brainer. Uh, but I'm still going to give them a B plus, A minus for this offseason. I, I think it's uh, uh, no, I'm going to A minus. Um, I think there was a world where they go shoot. We have Bedard now. We got to go give a bunch of guys four by fours to make this team competent. And I think the way they're doing it is much better. Where it's like. We don't want to throw him to the wolves. Let's get some guys to protect him. But this is still a long-term play, and we know that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you there. And there's something that they did that worked out really well is they were trying to trade up for Oliver Moore in the draft, and they didn't, and he fell to them anyways. And I think, obviously, now knowing that they, he was going to fall to 19 anyways, it would have been pretty regretful if you're giving up probably some pretty – high draft capital to move up in the first round of a stack draft. So mm. I'm fair. that's a very good thing that they avoided doing too. So kind of fell yep. into the laps. Good for them. Exactly. Same with uh, Taylor right. Hall. On to the Colorado Avalanche, who have had a pretty busy offseason. Uh, busy by trade, uh, definitely more. They pick up Ryan Johansson at $4 million and Nashville retains 50%. Uh, we talked about that actually. actually uh, I don't know if you were there, but um they i'm trying to think if you were there for that one or not uh they then flip new hook for a first and a second we already talked about montreal uh, side of that i think it's uh, we don't even need to talk about that too much from colorado's that was a good deal um correct me if i'm wrong i'm gonna assume i'm not wrong um they then take that second round pick and flip it for ross colton who needs they still need to resign he has filed for arbitration but uh another deal that i actually i i do like i think ross colton will be a good depth fit for them um so you know assets in assets out from a trade perspective galchenyuk's ufa contract out new hook out and uh the in comes ryan johnson a first and ross colton that's a pretty damn good offseason just alone right there yeah, the Avalanche are smart. Yeah. Um, they re-signed Jack Johnson, one year, 775K. Uh, maybe not as smart, but he'll be their seventh defenseman. Boom Byram gets two years, $3.85 million. Uh, seems like a fair bridge deal. I'm not really sure what to make of Byram just yet. I feel like that's another guy where his reputation maybe is talked about higher than his actual output spin. Yeah, and he looks kind of fun and everything, but I mean... Yeah. I'm not particularly high on what he's been at the NHL level. I think he's been fine. It's just he definitely has not been like the stud, another stud number one D or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the tough thing with him is like some of these times guys just don't figure it out for whatever reason. And everybody's like, oh, like um, bet on, you know, the upside or whatever. It's like with his injury history, there's like, serious reason to think that maybe he's just not what he was and that sucks but like it is 
something that has to be considered strongly. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's just times where guys drafts don't pan out or whatever, right? Like this is a fourth overall pick. It's not unheard of for fourth overall picks to just be a number four defenseman or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It sucks, but it happens fairly consistently where they're not top of the line of players. Yep. Uh, they give Jonathan Drew in one year, 825K. I like that as a bet. Uh, I think, and for Drew, and I think that's the perfect opportunity to go rebuild your value. The biggest questionable move, Miles Wood, six years, $2.5 million, 15 total. This is clearly a move of like, some team was probably offering him close to like four by four or something. They're like, hey, we'll give you a couple extra years and knock down that cap hit to get the, the total value the same, but the years are longer. Um, <laughs> I I don't know what to make of this contract. Yeah, I don't I don't love this deal. I mean, it's cheap enough. It can't be awful, basically by definition. But I it don't just know. feels a little unnecessary. Like I don't know if Miles Wood was like ten percent better, I would be like, this seems like a very fine because he is twenty seven. So the good news for them is at least. It's not like you're signing a 30-year-old to this, right? Like it'll be done when he's 33. But yep. like this is a 25-point player. You can you can find those. Yeah, they exist out there. Especially like, your Colorado. You can find those. You easily. just signed Jonathan Truen to 800 k Jonathan Truen will probably put up 25 points for the team this year. In fact, yeah. he has more points in every single one of his years than Miles Wood has. And it hasn't even been particularly close. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah, like what does Miles Wood really do well? I don't I don't know if people can say I'm like a gritty kind of player or what, but yeah. like I don't I don't think of that fast, but yeah, but like has he like, actually played that much either. No, like he's just been Yeah, I don't like he's an okay player. It just it is weird to give that that like two point five at six years just seems strange to me. Yeah, it seems pretty unneeded. But um generally speaking, I do like how they've overhauled their depth. Um, you know, especially the, it, you know, we know they're not going to have Landis Gog. Um, it kind of felt like last at the end of last year, you know, with all everything that happened in Tushkin as well, it just like this team felt like a shell of itself due to injuries and stuff like that. And I think they've done a good job to go this year and kind of rebolster themselves for another year. Yeah, exactly. And they, they took nice swings in the draft and everything because. They haven't drafted a ton recently, which makes sense given how good they've been. But it's a nice little, I don't want to say retool, because they're still like one of the cup favorites as they were last year. But, you know, reloading? Yep. I don't know. I don't know yep. what the word is, but you get the idea. Yeah, reload, I think, is a good way to put it. Um, I'm going to give them an A-. minus. It would be an A or an A-plus if it wasn't for that Miles Wood deal. I love everything they did but that deal, basically. Um, so I'll go A-. minus. Yeah, I'll say B-plus just because of the Miles Wood thing. Love their draft too, but yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Dallas Stars are the next team and uh, another team where they are trying to be the oldest team in the world here. Uh, They sign Matt Duchesne fresh off a buyout to a one-year deal, $3 million AAV. Uh, They also re-sign up Genny Dandanoff to a two-year deal, 2.25, 4.5 total. I really like that deal. Uh, I'm, I've been a big Dadanov guy, even since you know he didn't pan out in Ottawa, and it felt like his value cratered. Uh, they pick him off. He went to Ottawa, Vegas, Montreal, I think. In between, they then take him, and he finally explodes for them in the playoffs. Two point two five, I think, is very reasonable, even if he's not 
quite as good as he was during the playoff run. Uh, Joel Henley signs a one-year or two-year deal, 787K. Um, Craig Smith, one-year, $1 million. Sam Steele, one-year, 850K. Um, pretty quiet offseason overall. Uh, the Matt Duchesne is obviously their biggest thing. Uh, and then they they trade away Colin Miller for a fifth-round pick as well. Um, Duchesne's the biggest name here. I've liked pretty quiet offseason, but again, it kind of felt like we knew that was going to be the case, but I really like the Duchesne ad for some depth. Yeah, I mean, I would, they're a contender with not a ton of space that made themselves better. That's really yep. hard to do. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, um, yeah, you, you, that's just a great way to put it. Like this was a team that I think rightfully so was one of the three or four favorites to come out of the West last year. And I think they should be right in that mix with Colorado, Vegas, Edmonton again this year. And maybe LA if you want to throw LA in there, but yep. So, um, yeah, no, uh, very solid off season. Um, going to be fun to watch this team and I, there's just not a ton to talk about. I'm going to give them an A. I, I really like what they've done. I don't think they, none of the deals were term. And yeah, as you said, it was a team with not much cap. They still need to sign Ty Delandria. Um, I'm assuming they will get that done, but yeah, not a lot of cap space and they still managed to make themselves, you know, better and decently better too. Like uh, Matthew Chain, he's not obviously what Pete Mattachane was, but he's still a good 2C or a fine 2C, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you can play him on the wing or whatever. He's probably like a 60-point guy for 3 million bucks per contender. That's that's pretty awesome. I would I was going to say it as well. Yep. So, all right. On to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, they made a couple trades. Uh, no, just one trade, sorry. Uh, they pick up Patrick Maroon from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh the Lightning retained 200K or 20%. So Maroon's at 800K. Uh, Maroon was pretty bad last year, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't really hate the ad. Like, it's fine. It's just, I don't think it moves the needle one way or the other. Um, and then they did nothing yeah, else. Just... Yep, because of, actually, they have space. They're just chilling. Yes, uh, they do have some space. They need to re-sign Kalen Addison and Philip Gustafson, uh, which is going to take up, you would assume, three, four million dollars. It depends what they do with Gustafson, I guess, but I'd say probably three to four million dollars or eight point two. Um, but yes, they are just chilling. This is a team I will say that even last year we saw them do a similar thing where they kind of hoarded cap space until the deadline. And I don't know if they used it effectively, maybe, but they they definitely kept it. So um I don't hate that they haven't used it yet, but uh, they'll probably have to add another defenseman. You would think they currently have, Oh, Kellen and Addison makes six. So they have anyone in the minors that they want to bring up. Maybe they don't, but um, yeah, I don't know. They, this team just literally did nothing. This offseason is the, the best way to put it. And a big part of that is they have $14.7 million in bio money on their dead cap right now for this year. And next. Yes, they do. So. Their cap sheet looks hilarious because of that. Yep, um, this is the two years of grinding it out right now. Um, which, to be fair to them, like, you know, it's a little unfortunate because I do think that they had a bit of a window open in the past year or two with how well Kaprasov's been and and just some of the moves that they managed to make. But it's like, it, it doesn't seem that unreasonable to get through the bad days this year and next now. And then it's like, well, now you're literally out of it. You're, you have 1.6 in dead cap for the next like six years or whatever. But that's, that's going to be nothing with the cap going on. Exactly. So I um, go I ahead. haven't done this yet, but uh, our 
pretty sure they're going to have the worst draft in the league when I when I apply our model to uh, <laughs> everybody's draft, which probably doesn't help my outlook on doing nothing else this offseason. They reached on a bunch of guys, did they not? They really aggressively did. Um, in terms of like scoring rate, Charlie Strommel's probably the biggest reach of the first round, save for maybe Easton Cowan. The uh, hmm. the Leafs pick, and That's that not, was their twenty first overall pick. Yeah, the second round pick. They took a guy who's under a point per game in the Finnish junior league. Like he would be an unimpressive kind of statistical profile if he was doing what he was doing in the OHL, and he was doing it in a far worse league than the OHL. Just not not a lot to love with some decently high leverage picks in a good draft. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, on the Nashville Predators, another team that I found very confusing. I don't know if you like their picks or not. I found their draft strategy. If there's one thing you can say, um, uh, Barry Trotz is going to, it feels like he's going to be an active GM. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, they buy out, they trade Ryan Johansson, retain $4 million of that, buy out Matt Duchesne. I can't believe they bought out Matt Duchesne just to, they resign or they, then they go and sign Ryan O'Reilly. So they're clearly putting a big thing on quote, unquote, culture, quote unquote. Um, they have, like, they, they have to be rebuilding. Um, let me read out their four quarter right now. Ryan O'Reilly centering, uh, Nyquist, Nyquist and I don't know. God, that's it, Colton Sissons, maybe. And then it's Cody Glass with Yakov Trenin and like Philip Tomasino Michael McCarron, Kiefer Sherwood, Thomas Novak, like Mark Jankowski, Cole Smith, and Yuso Parsinanen. I have not heard of half of those guys, or I have heard of them, but barely. Like, I didn't uh, realize it was that ugly. Yeah. And so, okay. Sorry. Phil Forsberg's on IR. So he'll be on the left wing. It'll be Nyquist, O'Reilly, Forsberg. So you start off, it's like, yeah, that's not the greatest first line, but like, it's is what it is. It's not the worst. And then you go, ooh, Cody Glass, Yakov Trent, and Colton Sissons as the second line. Interesting. That's that's insane. Yeah. I mean, so, like, they're doing the thing we want them to do, I guess. This is the thing. To me, this screams that they have to be rebuilding, which, fair enough. I, I think they'll flip Tyson Berry at the deadline this year. Um, the big one, though, is that they, they got to trade UC Saros. They have yeah. to. But they aren't going to do that. By no. But, which is why it's like, Okay, like you've done a great job, but like if UC Saros drags you to 23rd in the standings, that doesn't help you. Yeah, I feel bad for Saros specifically too. It's like, yeah. And, and you like, got to trade him now. You really well, don't want to sell pending UFA. That's the thing. And if he was like two years younger, even, I'd be like, maybe you could convince yourself that like if we do a two, three year rebuild, he'll be 29 when we're good. Like that'll be helpful. But it's like he's 28. Even if you only do a two, three year rebuild, he's gonna be 30, 31 by the time you're trying to be good again. Yeah. And and, I don't and think they're gonna be good anytime soon. That's the thing. Like I would put this at four or five, not two or three. Yeah, like this is the beginning. This is like year one. Yeah. So um they signed, yeah, Gustav Nyquist, two years, three point one eight five, six million total. Luke Shen gets two or three years at two point seven five million dollars. Good for Luke Shen. Um, definitely getting the good guy deal there for a rebuilding team. Cody Glass gets two years, 2.5 per. 
Uh, Ryan O'Reilly gets four years, 4.5 per 18 mil total. That is definitely just be, hey, here's the old dude who's going to take hard minutes and shelter any young guys that uh, come up over the next four years. Um, Only thing there, I guess, is apparently it was rumored that O'Reilly had a similar offer from Toronto. It wasn't money or term. That was an issue. You just didn't want to be in Toronto. Um, People are definitely making a big deal of that. I don't think it needs to be that big of a deal. He didn't want to play. People read way much that shit yeah like i don't know like i heard people say that you know he probably maybe he was a guy who kind of likes the quieter lifestyle a little more than being face of the media every day and then getting recognized everywhere he goes that's fair enough maybe he just wants to go spend his winters in nashville that doesn't sound that bad that's the thing like i don't know if you pull 10 people on where they want to live you're gonna get 10 different answers like and the fact that people try to read into that is always the stupidest thing in the world especially for this, somebody like him with a cup already that's just what i was about to say this dude's already got a cup he's got a con smite like he's done everything he needs to do yeah he's yeah he's done it all where do you want to live so, i don't know it's not that weird to want to live in nashville i wouldn't but plenty do yeah exactly so um yeah i don't know i at the draft, the reason I said it's Barry Trotz going to be an active uh, guy at the draft, I was looking at him, oh, they made a bunch of trades, all draft day trades. They uh, trade up to spot 43 and move 47, 147, uh, and then trade actually down. Uh, well, they trade their 79th overall pick for a third and a sixth next year. Uh, I, that seems like really good value, um, swapping thirds and getting an extra sixth out of it. Um, they then trade a 2024 fourth round pick or get a 2024 fourth for a fourth round pick this year. And then they swap seventh round picks. Um, so just a, a lot of trading from, from Nashville side of things. Um, I'm going to give them B, B plus. Uh, they have three seconds, two thirds and three fourths in this upcoming draft. Now to me, it feels like they're at least making an identity of they are going to rebuild and they're going to try and do something different going forward. And I hope that is the case. So just for that fact alone, I'm going to give them a B plus for this offseason. Yeah, I'll say B because they know what they are. I will say they the buyouts, the buying out Duchesne felt really unneeded. <laughs> yes, I I agree. Um, again, if you want to do the culture thing or whatever, sure. But like, he had like four or five years left on his deal, did he not? Yeah, the buyouts goes as far as you can see on cap friendly. I think that's it. But there's one, two, three, four, five. There's six years left on the buyouts. That means there's three years left, even if you just waited one more. Buy it out next year. Yeah, like, but again, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's more behind the scenes that we didn't see. It, it's always hard to know, but I definitely agree. Where just from a purely financial side of things, it definitely would have made more sense to, yeah, exactly, leave it um, instead of having a six-year cap hit. But hey, yeah, I also knows? really like their their draft. At least five picks. Mm-hmm. Have to know a lot about the the depth picks, but Matthew Wood was one of the the big steals via our model after they got Camel last year. Who's also a steal in the model, so good for them. Yep, exactly. Um, all right, St. Louis Blues, another team that has been uh, relatively quiet. They picked up uh, Kevin Hayes earlier in the off season uh, for nothing. They sounded like they had a deal with um, is it Philly, I believe, in place for. Was it Connect Me or who the hell was it for? And Tori Krug blocked it going the other way. Um, So I don't know who all would have been involved in that, but that obviously uh, stalled some things. 
They didn't really make any signings. Uh, no, all the signings they made for 775K on draft day. So basically Kevin Hayes in. This feels like a turning point kind of season for this team where if they are where they were last year out of the playoffs, I could kind of see them punting on the season and or punting on the corn saying, all right, should we start to rebuild here? Yeah, which feels like what's going to happen. Kevin Hayes has three years left on his deal. Holy smokes. Yeah, and he's 31 now. Like at 3.5, he is worth that, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they don't look that way if they just went and got him. I don't know. Yeah, it's always tough to know because we've seen teams just like randomly decide to blow it up after every move up until that point implied they should be doing the opposite. Yeah, you're you're not wrong about that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I Do you like their draft, dislike their draft? Because there's not much to analyze here from a uh, free agency standpoint. Um, we pretty strongly disliked their draft. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, Stenberg was all right, but a fairly big reach. I mean, Dvorsky was actually fine at the pick, and then Theo Lindstein. There were teams that didn't have him in their top four rounds. They used a first-round pick on him. That's Yikes. That's always tough. The model didn't like that either, for obvious reasons, apparently, if neither did any of the scouts and then. I don't know any of their depth picks, but given they were mid at best in the first round with three first round picks, that's probably all that matters. There's also like only so much I think you can value two depth picks as well. Yeah. You know, like if you crush four sixth rounders or whatever, it's like, well, the odds are one of those guys are still only turning out to an NHL player, right? Doesn't mean you yeah. shouldn't want to crush that, but but it's it can't probably crushing four of them is or five or six is what's needed to make up for picking Lindstein in the first round when most teams have him out of the top 100. Exactly. So, uh, all right, final team, the Winnipeg Jets uh, also didn't do a ton considering kind of what they were rumored. Obviously, we had the Dubois trade. That was really big. Um, You didn't, I guess we talked about it from LA's side. I talked about it from Winnipeg's lines here. Um, you know, as much as we say LA didn't give up a ton for Dubois, I still like what Winnipeg got back in terms of Lardy, Iafalo, and a second. Um, in t- um, I don't really agree with their thought process of we need to keep being an okay team. I would rather see them flip Iafalo. Uh, Velarde's young enough. I think you could keep him as a piece going forward. Um, but just in terms of, I thought they were in a pretty tough position with Dubois where everyone knew he wanted out. Everyone knew there was a very short list of teams that he wanted to. So to get a good NHLer, a good NHLer who is young, like Velarde. If you told me Velarde's fifteen percent worse than Dubois over the course of the next eight years, would that be shocking? No, I don't think we should rule out the possibility that he's better. I was going to say better. I wasn't sure that was going to be a hot take, but yeah. So to get even a piece that that is an opportunity to be, and then a second, and I don't know Kapari again. Like I, I don't think Kapari is going to be much, but I think it's an okay return for a guy that. They didn't have many options with. Yeah, I think it has the potential to be like a little baby Jack Eichel trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Velarde's year. Did they get Thompson in that deal? Too? No, it was, that was different. No, they got the Tate Thompson was in the O'Reilly Tuck. trade. Yeah, yeah, they yeah got so Tuck. he's your your Alex Tuck, who's I don't know solid second line, maybe fringe first fringe first line player, I guess, if you're looking at like ninety six of them in the league or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I think the biggest story for me with uh, Winnipeg is the lack of anything else that they've done so far this year. 
they re-signed Nemestikov two years, two million per. Um, gave Samberg two years, one point four per, and Brassois one year, one point seven five per. And that is all they've done. They haven't traded uh, Shifley. They bought out Blake Wheeler, I guess, as well to make uh, room. So Blake Wheeler's cap hit is two point seven five for this year and next. Um, I still kind of feel like something else has to come down, but I wouldn't be surprised if nothing does. Cause again, this, everything suggests that management says they need to keep going for it. Where to me, this is another team that screams sell Hellebuck, sell Niederreiter, sell Shifley, sell Ehlers. If you get a good enough opportunity and do a retool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if they're going to have the stomach to do that. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So I would, and if I would it, actually go as far as I bet that they don't. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if they do, to be honest. So uh, if I remember correctly, you said their draft was just fine from what I took away in the group chat seeing it, I think. Yeah, it was, it was all right. They they crushed their one six-round pick or whatever. But as we just talked about, that's that's hard to go crazy with. Uh, Colby Barlow's a nice little pick in that range. Pretty reasonable on statistics alone. And then he's got all the intangibles people like. So, yeah, good for them. Yep. So I'll give them a B minus, I guess. I like the Dubois trade. I, I still hope there's a little more to come though. Yeah. Yeah. I I might even go with a B plus. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um I think in a vacuum I would give them a B plus. I just think looking at the rest of this team, I go, This is all you're doing? Really? Yeah. So that's fair. Yeah. Uh, all right. There is all thirty two teams. Uh, I think we kept it under three hours total between the two episodes, so that's not bad. Um, probably not much more happening over the next couple of weeks, eh? Like, a lot of the... I mean, th- this was a garbage free agent class. Let's just call it what it was. Yeah. Because, um, like, it doesn't feel like a ton of people were signed. And even some of the biggest si- signings were, like, guys who were bought out this year. And there's not a lot of good players left, I don't think. Yeah, like um, the best player was what, Duchesne? Yeah, that would, uh, yep, like off the top of my head. Um, and he was bought out. Patrick Kane's available, Jonathan Taves, Tarasenko. Maybe you can argue Tarasenko's up there, but like, again, like Matt Dumba, Thomas Tatar. Tatar, Tatar genuinely might be one of the top three players in this class. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, that's bad. Yeah, so uh, it doesn't seem like too much uh, big news will drop over the next couple of weeks. So I think it is fair to say you and I uh, will be starting our list pretty soon, which I'm I some of my favorite podcasts of the year, to be completely honest with you. I kept track of what we had for our top 20 list last year as well. So we'll be able to compare and contrast what we had uh, last year versus this year. So be sure to keep an eye out for that, everyone. Um, check all of Chase's work out at uh, CM Hockey 66 on Twitter. Uh, and I think you just made a threads as well. I haven't made that yet, but that will also be on my Twitter at Angel Sons and stuff. Chase also has his work on his Substack. I know you just posted something um, the other day. Uh, so make sure you go read that. And uh, Chase, do you want to break down what that was? I'm blanking on the top of my head. Um, yeah, it was on like NHL uh, E, right? Prospect modeling and how it's probably going to underrate pro league prospects at least specifically the ones that uh suck yeah oddly enough in a pro league 
yeah, so go go check that out. Uh, you can find all my stuff at lastwordonhockey.com. Thank you everyone so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.